Welcome into the Fairweather Podcast, where we discuss all things San Diego Loyal Soccer Club. Can you hear me? Is this thing on? <laughs> oh, I'm back. Welcome Hello. back. This is the Fairweather Podcast brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network and sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. Uh, Mercy, you're back. Welcome back. I'm back. We're having, oh, thank we're, you for welcoming me back. It is um, good to have you back. Uh, not only for your opinions, but also for your running the intro smoothly and getting us to look good on the YouTube stream. So... It's doubly good to have you back, not only for you. Uh, who you are, but what you do for this podcast. So we're glad that you are back. Um, Appreciate it, that. Yeah, we got hmm. um, some fun. You stuff. make me cry. Oh, <laughs> that was not. That was oh, not my intention. No. That was um, sweet. Yeah, uh, thanks. I I, I do oh. what I can. How is your day, and how is your drink? Uh, day is good. Uh, drink is good. We had a, a meeting today in the morning. I did a little double mm -hmm. d double duty meeting on Zoom, answering emails from my students at the same time. It was a little bit chaotic. And the drink is a nice. Uh, nice G and T. It's warm here in San Diego, and I have no AC, so I supplement it with a fan and a nice cool beverage. How are you doing <laughs> I today? Thought I, I'm warm. I was actually in AC all day. Uh, I went back to my co-working space. Uh-oh. Um, they've been open this whole time, uh, but there hasn't been anyone there. So uh, it's like maybe five people and we're all like oh. spread out through the big space. So mm -hmm. I got AC. I have a place to record videos and um, nice. it's fine with me. I mean, getting back to somewhat normalcy mm -hmm. and, you know, wearing my mask in the day and it is what it is, right? We've adjusted right now, I guess. <laughs> yeah, now um, yeah, now it's are we planning what are we planning for and how long do we have to plan uh to get back to some things that are normal? I don't know if we'll ever go back to fully normal, but No, I I don't believe it's going to be what we believe is normal anymore. So, I I'm embracing it um and just going with the flow. Um but I I do notice something that you're wearing. Yes. What do you notice? Please, I notice you're wearing like my most favorite kit that um, is the purple. Yes, kit, the, the purple, the gargoyle. It's super comfy. It fits really well. It's not one of like those ones that are like you have to buy four sizes too big. So for a chubby guy like me, it feels yeah. great. Um, yeah, I hopped <laughs> on it right away. They did like a. They put it out, and then they took it back, and then they put it out again. Um, and so I bought it in the putting it out the first time. Um, I don't know if it brings out my eyes. My eyes are, like, poop brown. They, like, I'm so full of it. I am. They are brown. Um, but, no, it's a great color purple. I really like purple. The pink is, like, neon and stands out. It looks great. I'm happy to finally have my first loyal kit. I've been waiting for this one forever. Uh, and so it feels good to have it, and I can't wait to wear it to an actual game soon. So, um, yeah, and then we talked about this one on the Internet. Um, I have yours in the other room, um, and Chris, if he ever comes back, um, uh, Beanie, good Lord, 
It's too hot for a beanie. Uh, but if you're interested, I'm going to do a little order of these. Uh, so if you want to get in on it, um, I'm going to put together another small order of hats. If you want one, just mes- message me. Um, mm-hmm. And we can get those ordered. And wait, don't you have something to complement the jersey? Yeah, I got the hat. Yeah. I bought pants no. and shoes. Those are in the mail. They've what? been shipped. What about the, oh, you got the shoes. What about the, the knockarounds? Oh, the knockarounds? Yeah, they're in the other room too. They're knockarounds, a nice San Diego company. They make pretty affordable sunglasses. Uh, live infused water. No, you're a little bit late. This is a gin and tonic. Um, and yeah, the knock, knockarounds do some good stuff. Um, they have a couple options for loyal fans that you can, they're not for loyal fans, but there's like a orange and green faded that looks really nice. Um, they're really inexpensive. They have polarized lenses and they're a great local company. Uh, they're not sponsoring us, but if they want to. I'll wear knockarounds all day long. Um, they're comfortable. I've had them for a while because they support local arts programs. Every year they do a fundraiser, so uh, I like them. So, yeah. I can't hear you. I think my audio is like, oh, you're online at 6.30 and everyone else is online. But I can hear you. Okay. I can hear you. Can... So do we want to? Okay, well, it's fine. It's just me. Yeah. Yes. Let's bring our we... Yeah, go ahead. So I... I do want to, yeah, I want to talk a little bit. So two weeks ago, if you guys watched our show, we had um, we had two women on that are part of the Western Conference USL world. And uh, we had so much fun talking to each other, but also about, you know, women in sports. And then we had Carry On. If you guys missed it, definitely check out that episode. It's really fun. Um, so we were like, oh, we got to do this again. Like, this is going to be a thing. But, you know, schedules and all that come into play. So we weren't able to get both of them back on. And if you notice, we don't have Chris on. There's, I don't know. I think he's recording a podcast too right now. So um, anyways, I want to um, welcome Danielle back to the show. Yay, Danielle. How are, <laughs> are you? you here? I'm good. Good to see you. Good to see you. I'm so excited. Is there like a term for this? Am I like a cross potter now? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> you are. You are multi potter. I'm I'm multi pod famous with all like five people <laughs> who know me. <laughs> I think you're our most frequent guest. So like you're yeah. you're like at yeah. this point at the 17 episodes, it's almost like you're a co-host now. Do I get my own hat? Uh, we can get you one. <laughs> we can get I you love one. Yeah. You have an awesome logo. Um, so I'm excited. Thank you. Shout out to Travis for the logo. Yeah, punk rock paint. Punk rock paint. Does awesome, good work. Awesome. Um, cool. So we want to talk a little bit about mm-hmm. things going on with the USL because we have some news, I guess, today, which is really awesome. So Alan, if you want to talk a little bit about that? Um, so there was a couple announcements made today by uh, USL. Uh, some of them are a little bit more exciting for us in San Diego than um, overall. Uh, people were kind of guessing what the announcement was going to be. Uh, so there's a couple League One possibilities that are coming up. Um, I don't think anything was announced uh, specifically uh, regarding USL. Um which cities particularly, but USL is talking to quite a few cities uh, for League One, which is exciting because as soon as League One fills out, 
Um, they said it's 15 cities talking to five new League One teams announced at the end of the year. That just means that there is more teams filling out each league. And for those pro-rel nuts, that means closer to pro-promotion relegation within USL. But it also means a stronger league in general. Uh, three new USL championship franchises being talked to. Uh, and the biggest one is Fresno is being relocated to Monterey. There was some um, give and take with that. Some people are happy. Some people are a little bit mad. Um, Fresno, I'm sure, feels like San Diego does with the team that shall not be named. Uh, but I think the biggest news to come out of today was uh, the news surrounding the USL Academy. And this got me kind of excited because we've been talking about um, Academy last week. We'll probably be talking about it again today, and we're probably going to be talking about it again next week as well. Uh, it is a huge sea change in American soccer, and uh, USL announcing that they're going to be starting a pretty significant academy with their championship League One and League Two teams. Um, Danielle, what's your uh, initial reaction to this news? So in San Antonio, and I'm SAFC representative here just for those, <laughs> I don't know if I mentioned that earlier. Um, so we have an academy team. We've had one since year one. So this is going on to its fifth year, fourth or fifth year. Um, and this is something near and dear to our heart. We have probably one of the top, it was one of the top DA teams. We mm -hmm. were consistent with the mm -hmm. age group beating the MLS teams. So the, we are one of those examples of, okay, you can be phenomenal and you don't have to be tied to an MLS team. Right. Um, so we've been following all of this very closely. Um, and we don't know, we haven't announced if we're going to stay in the USL or move to the MLS. I think we'll probably stay USL because now we have this path um, to pro and we've successfully had several um, players who are modeling this. So last season we started, we had some, like 16 and 17 year old players who would come on the field in in senior games um, and not just open cup early matches. Mm -hmm. um, there were significant times and um, our senior in high school played um, all preseason. He put some moves on MLS starting defenders and was breaking ankles out there. Um, he was phenomenal. So for us, this is something we believe in, and I think this is what the country needs. I'm super excited. 129 teams. Um, mm -hmm. You know, MLS doesn't want to be that big um, development academy with all these teams all over the country. They want their 30 teams. That's it. They're going to leave the rest to us. So I'm super excited about that. And then I'm also curious what, like, next steps. What else? Like, will there be a women's side? Right. Um, but then that leaves the question of if it's a path to pro. Um, so that's sort of some of my my take on it. Right. I know in San Diego, uh, when the team first launched, Landon Donovan was asked about the youth academy system, and uh, he was reluctant to commit to anything. Uh, I think San Diego has a pretty significant youth soccer program with uh, SD Surf, with um, Chula Vista FC we talked about last week. Uh, there's some other ones up in North County. There's a pretty established youth culture here that they didn't want to rock the boat. Um, but I'm interested now that the DA is folded and the USL Academy is launched, um, what direction they're going to go. Um, so I don't want to speculate on anything. Um, 
I have a feeling that um, there's probably some discussions. I mean, why not? You probably should. Um, and if you want to look at a model like San Antonio, I mean, I have a lot of respect for that that um, that team. Regardless, I think they uh, they do a good job of trying to put good players on the pitch and create a competitive a competitive team, blending in some of those youth uh, into it, as opposed to some other teams that are just focused on developing youth. It's like kind of a balance. Um, and I have a lot of respect for that organization. So we'll see what happens in San Diego. Um, I know our, we're a little bit in a different position because it is a new team and they don't want to overextend themselves, I think, is the other part of the problem too. It's why re, why reinvent the wheel when stuff's working right now. But, um, yeah, so let's talk about that path to pro for our girls. I know we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but um, – what do you see is some things maybe that USL can do uh, to create some opportunities for girls soccer to kind of balance out to what they've been focusing on with the boys? So this is like a loaded question right here because part of it all comes down to women's professional game. If we're talking path to pro, you have to have a pro team, right? Right. Um, so having just a girls academy, just to have a girls academy with, no end is sort of like, well, then are we really developing? And going back to that same idea, do we want to compete with the ECNLs of the world? And um, there's like a PDL starting here in Texas with kind of like um, some other teams that weren't able, weren't able to get into ECNL. And so I think I'd love to see, you know, year one or two with, I know they've been planning for the USL Academy League for about two years now. So I'd love to see them in that process with the women's side. And I know it has been mentioned in articles in the past, how they do actually want to have, you know, a women's academy. Um, but I'd love to see it all come together with having a path to pro, having women's USL championship, USL one, and then you have this academy where then you can have this really nice structure of getting them that competitive level of time, giving them those opportunities to challenge themselves. So I really kind of want to see having that pro level um, established and it'd be, but then there's so many questions of like, does it become NWSL or does it compete with NWSL? But I really don't think NWSL can support an academy on its own. They can barely support their teams. Now, maybe if they're playing in like the Red Bull arenas of the world and Audi stadium where then they're having huge, you know, 20,000, um, crowd 20,000 attendees, but I think a huge part of it comes down to cost. And you know, it, it's a million dollars to have these teams. And if you want the best players to play for free, um, and then to also travel to these competitive leagues and tournaments, and um, SAFC travels internationally, they went to an invitational in the Caribbean, they went to one in Europe, they were playing against some top academies. Um, they go to Houston to play against. Uh, Liga MX academies, and pardon my um, Spanglish on that. Um, I'm not a native Texan, so um, <laughs> so yeah. So I think there's there's so much to it, but I'd really love to see USL take on this women's academy and have the same you know elite status in these mid level mid level cities. I don't know if you can call San Antonio and San Diego mid level, but <laughs> Um, you know, having, having those and then bringing on this 
either whether it's NWSL, USL merger, which I would love, um, or having USL women, um, and then you have that path to pro. I'm curious if that's why the, there's a big push recently to get soccer-specific stadiums and get their own stadiums, is if teams own their stadiums, then you no longer have to worry about, you know, with, like, San Diego, they're worried about all of the USD sports that play in that stadium plus the loyal. Now you're going to, if you add a women's team and then a possibly some academies, like, that's a lot of teams to try and coordinate a season around. Whereas if you have a team like Louisville who has a brand-new stadium that they're looking at, putting teams in like I'm sure they're like trying to recruit teams to play there it's like all right if they had their own USL women's championship and then both of their academies can play in that stadium or around that stadium now you have this like infrastructure set up that you don't have to worry about renting out of space or getting a stadium for the women's team you already have that there so I wonder if that's maybe a little bit of that push um, is part of that now I know Soccer is always better played in a soccer stadium versus a baseball stadium. And I know there's a little bit of, you know, you watch these teams that play in soccer stadiums, even NYCFC. Sometimes it's really tough to watch. It's not a good product. Um, so I understand why they want to push for those soccer specifics. But maybe that's a, another byproduct of those soccer stadiums is now women. A women's team doesn't have to worry about, all right, we're the 20th team on the totem pole. When are we ever going to get a game? We're going to be playing on like a Thursday night and no one's going to show up. Mm-hmm. Hey, Marissa. Hi. I agree. Yeah. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I'm back. I'm back. My cat and dog are acting up. They they want to get out, right? It's hot. Fair. It's hot. They want to go play in the beach. Yeah. Up. Sorry. Sorry. They have what did you say? Oh yeah, my dog ran away two times this week already. Dang. She's just chilling. She's like, she's like, nope. I'm, I'm just gonna walk down the street. I'm like, no, that's not how it works over here. You stay here. So we'll see. Well, I don't know. She's familiar with the neighborhood though, because I've been walking her around the neighborhood. So maybe she just has more confidence, and she could just go out for a walk like she does in the morning. But, anyways, that's off topic. Yeah, you don't need fine. to talk about my dog and cat. Yeah. Dogs I might have to run away for a second, though. No worries. Uh, Lupe. All they do is ask a question, and then she's so knowledgeable that she just, like, can fill us all in and make us feel smarter about about soccer. So I So I will say, okay, so one thing that we probably should mention, especially because this is so new and it's so many questions. So one of the things that is different that they're doing with the USL Academy is basically they're having one team U15 to U19. So that's going to be something different, and they're also amending the schedule. So previously it was kind of like a a fall-spring calendar. Mm -hmm. The USL Academy is now going to mirror the USL Championship schedule. So it's like an April to November schedule, which I like that they're aligning. So then you've got these youth who are playing in their in season they've got one season and whether they go up to um, the senior team or they're just in the academy it gives them one um one season you know and it gives them the opportunity to kind of learn and figure out this season um because i think that's a huge part of developing a youth player is you know timing um pre-season post-season so now they're having those experiences mirrored um, a senior team so they can learn those additional things as well. 
And I wonder if they're going to do... I know some Liga Emiakis teams like to do their youth club play before, right before their uh, senior team. And that gets more eyes where if it's like, hey, we have a 7 o'clock kickoff, but if you're here at 5 o'clock, 4.30, whatever, you can watch the you know U19s or whatever they're going to call them play, you might get some of those supporters and people to come out and show some support and you might pull more people than if you just did it on like a random day. Um, and then you bring everyone travels together. So there's like a little bit less travel shenanigans. Like, you know, the youth teams play each other before the big clubs play. And so I, I like it as well. And then it's, it's when they move up, they have that consistency of what does a full season feel like? Uh, and I, I, I agree. It's um, I think it's smart and you know, it's, we can talk poop on some of these leagues for making poor decisions, but we also have to make sure we're, we're celebrating the successes too and pointing out when they're doing things well. Otherwise, we always get into that negative of they don't know what they're doing, they're screwing things up. But it's like it's nice to take a moment and be like, oh, they nailed this one, or at least that part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if I could get more games to watch, then I'm all for that. Yeah. So. Whatever it is to get get us back to watching games, so I love uh, it. But I'm gonna have to say, like, slow your roll. Uh, we here in, in San Antonio love to tailgate, mm-hmm. so don't be interfering with our parties. Don't be interfering with free beer and free um, brats and sausage, and because that yeah. is. So when you guys come to San Antonio, because San Antonio and San Diego will play, you're gonna have an awesome time. But it's tailgate we love it we celebrate we party um but yeah we also love our our youth team and we follow them pretty hardcore on on social media try to get to games and things like that as well Mm -hmm. yeah i've noticed that oh yeah i've noticed that for sure around the san antonio and some of those texas teams are really invested in that youth Mm -hmm. program and really celebrate celebrate in a way that i don't think a lot of teams do which is unfortunate maybe they don't have the capacity um, but it's always nice. Just the same thing with like women's sports. It's it, people just need to start watching it and realize that it's, it's quality, um, for, and it's entertaining and like, Oh, it's not the premier league, but I've, I've seen people miss sitters in the premier league. Like, come on guys, like soccer, <laughs> soccer, soccer. And if you want USL to be successful, support your USL Academy. If you have one, like it's just the way you support USL to make American soccer more successful USL doesn't exist without that youth group or youth moving up into those team into your first team. So if you had the ch- the choice to get which team first, like a for loyal a women's or a youth academy team, what would you choose, Alan? Wow, throwing <laughs> that grenade in there. Um, so I'm going to answer this in two ways, and hopefully I don't okay. make everyone mad by answering in the two ways. I think logistically, I think starting with the academy is an easier move, uh, but mm-hmm. I would I'll, I would like to see a professional women's team in San Diego first. Um, I think there's enough youth soccer already in existence in San Diego uh, mm-hmm. that they can rely on that for a while. Um, yeah. But I, I just the infrastructure I think for USL like a USL women's team, like unfortunately mm-hmm. isn't there. Um, if San Diego can be on the front lines to create that infrastructure in order to create that league, I, mm-hmm. with the people who are involved in the decision making in San Diego, I don't doubt that they would jump on that chance right away. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I, I think that they have put themselves out there that said, you know, they've, 
with their hires and the people they put on the front front office staff, the people they put in the training facilities, like they don't care. They just want it to be good. And if that right. means they get to be on the front line of launch, launching USL women, then I think mm-hmm. they do it. Um, so I know that yeah. I answered those both of those questions. I answered yes to both of those. Um, I think yeah. logistically it's easier to start a USL yeah. academy with the infrastructure set up. Uh, but I would mm-hmm. definitely like to see a uh, USL women's team. Like, I mean, we talked about this before. Like when I, like the women's national team is the reason I really got into so- yeah. soccer, uh, soccer fandom. So right. like, I'm all for it. I think it's a very entertaining uh, sport. I think the women's world cup in San Diego proved that people will show up and will watch high quality um, mm-hmm. women's soccer. And actually I should say they will watch high quality soccer regardless of who plays it. Yeah. And I think for me, well, for me, like uh, San Diego soccer in terms of youth side has always been around. Like Mm -hmm. we've had the surf cup, we've had, you know, all these other things like in Oceanside and stuff like that. But as far as I can see, it's not really well attended or like a big deal to the people outside of the families related to the kids playing in the tournament. So I'm going to say it. I'm going to say a women's team first because it doesn't matter to, uh, I understand, you know, the, you know, the lineage and wanting to bring people through the Academy, but I also know that there's already something like that here in terms of being able to go watch it and people don't follow it. And it's a huge system like surf, right? Surf is here, but no one watches it in terms of, following it having some type of like stadium or stadium atmosphere around it like they have that opportunity with the surf cup and all the other tournaments that are done and it's not well attended so i just don't i don't know if there's a partnership in the in the works sometime down the line like i don't know how a usl club could have an academy that competes with this already big mega thing that surf is here you know so I don't know women's team first I think you guys are uniquely positioned for a women's team um, because you already have that path established you have some of the top female soccer players coming through surf they're they're established you know they're scouted both by colleges and national teams but it'd be an easy fix right mm-hmm. always put that women's team in you already have those pathways you don't you don't need to recreate anything or compete with anything. Um, just put that women mm-hmm. in, and I think you would have um, another good league. So I'm going to say, Landon Donovan, I'm going to need you to get on pushing for a women's league in USL because I know you're listening to this podcast. I'm sure. <laughs> so I'm going to need you to hustle. I'm going to need you to get on this because the women's league is the rocket in that mid tier um, cities. They've got it, and they want to support it. So um, they're clamoring for it. That's all I got to say. <laughs> hey, you heard it here first. Maybe that's the call, right? And that's where it starts. Danielle calls it out. And Boom. It happens. Right? Yeah. It's, um, in San Antonio, we also have a, a similar – we've got a really good youth program, youth system, um, and mm-hmm. actually our women's semi-pro teams – are usually a little more well attended. Um, and we've actually had um, Liga MX feminine teams come play. Um, we had a woman go from the our semi-pro team 
Stupid Love America, and she was like one of the she was like the player of the month or something for January. Um, so I really think in San Antonio it would it would take off. Um, well, I so think- I think you've got two cities. So there we go. That's all you need. Carlos Alvarez, his uh, wife plays for Cholos. Uh, but she said if the Cholos, when the Cholos were supposed to play, she was going to wear loyal gear because that's what she's like. I play on the women's team. I don't, I'm not going to root for the men's team. So I, oh. I <laughs> right? So I was like, all right, let's you just sign like her. Alvarez yeah. From Las Vegas Light, right? Who was originally in San Antonio his first year, and my seats were in the SAFC family section. So I got to see her up close and personal. Very pretty. And super nice. Like, she and came, Mrs. Alvarez. Yes, Very Mrs. Alvarez. Mrs. Yeah. Alvarez. Yeah. So um, I, I know that there's that culture here. I know the cross-border with Liga MX Femenil would be um, an easy an easy draw. Um, yeah, I think you're convincing me more and more that um, we need to pull that audio and put that out as a as a short little clip and start putting pressure on the front office. Because, I mean, what, are they, what else are they doing right now anyway? Like, they're not planning for games, so let's plan for a women's <laughs> league. Let's do it. Let's do it. It's not that hard. Right? Get Angela on the phone. Angela Huckles. She's she's already in place because this is sort of going to happen. Let's just es- let's just rapidly escalate this. Right. Right. We'll help. Well, they are they are planning fundraisers. It's a good segue. Yeah, but they're almost the done. Fundraisers. They'll be done at the end of the week. So let's like take all of that energy from Rady Children's Hospital and put it into building USL women's. How do you know that they're not doing that? Um, I don't, but um, I can, you don't, I can hit up Ricardo and ask him like, uh, right. Hey, <laughs> what's going on with that women's league? Yeah. I personally <laughs> create troll Twitter accounts that are NWSL and SA. So maybe you guys create like a troll Twitter account, NWSL and SD, you know, just, that, that's mm-hmm. how I, I use the social media peer pressure. <laughs> it, it works. I have, speaking Not of, crazy. I have an MLS and SD uh, Twitter account. But that was like years ago that I set that up in SD. Do I still have that? I wonder. Uh, this oh. breaks my heart. We can't talk MLS. I will cry. Okay. On. San Antonio is in the same boat. <sighs> They're still building the Austin Stadium. I just, I got, this is a whole other, we this is a whole about. other story to talk about. <sighs> <laughs> An expansion market. I, yeah, I just like that Austin ad. The, f- the first and only professional soccer team in Austin. I'm like, come on. No, because they had um, USL teams. Right. And the owner of the Orlando Pride was like, no team's going to do well here in Austin. So he picked up his whole thing. And moved it to Orlando and is doing rather well. So he made a wise business decision. I, I'm so glad this is in California so I can talk about this and not have my Twitter light up the next day. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, there's lots of good stuff. And did we even talk about the players being able to play in a few days tomorrow? Today. Today. Jake Edwards said the players can start individual training today. Yeah. Um we I talked about this last night in Orange and County Orange and Black Soccer Cast. Um, I'm hopeful, but I'm also a little bit like, okay, this means that they can kind of train, but that doesn't mean that we're any closer to playing games. Uh, but I mean, it makes sense. Um, 
you know, we, we interviewed some players and like, yeah, I'm living with these guys. And it's like, well, of course, they're living in these like team owned apartments with like two other teammates. They're already like around each other a whole bunch. So like it's not a huge step to get from we're living together in small groups to training together in small groups. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm a little bit pessimistic still. Like I don't say pessimistic, a little bit realistic that I'm excited this is one step, but I think it's still pretty far away from playing like full on training and doing some preseason stuff. But um, Marissa, are you excited about individual training? I know they've been doing Zoom stuff in San Diego, but. No. Yes. No. No. Danielle, are you excited? Uh, I'm on mute. (laughs) Let's take a look at La Liga. They've been individual training for, what, a few weeks now? Yeah. And not a single game has been played. It gives me hope, and I love hope, and Mm -hmm. I want to get out on the field. I also referee, so uh, I want to get out on the field just as bad as everyone else does, and I'm kind of starting to itch for something to do on the weekends but um europe has been doing individual training and not really doing anything mm-hmm. um i know that i heard at least i think mls is looking at june 13th as a potential kind of um plan and practice for this i happen to be on a di- listen to a different podcast with a, a pro referee who that's kind of the direction that they're heading whether it, it happens or not. Um, do you guys see California opening up? Like Texas, like now, I think this this Friday, we can start going to like barbers and nail salons. Thank God, because I'm, I'm a hot mess without them. But we're really, we've been opening up like every week. Um, so it's just a matter of time, like before we open it up to um, sporting events. Where are you guys at in that whole open situation or not open mm-hmm. well our beaches and parks are open uh but they still encourage you to stay home and you can't stay there so those are the only thing open and i don't think there's a timeline for the f- i know they're doing it in phases like i believe texas is doing in terms of opening uh, but i don't know if there's a date i haven't paid attention to the news lately so yeah they're they've been, they've been talking about like phase two which is like low risk things like restaurants and like toys, like stores being able to sell stuff and do curbside pickup. Mm -hmm. Uh, But as far as like restaurants opening and stuff um, for sit down service, that's not happening. Um, I'm on, I'm always on the side of, I'd rather wait a couple weeks than try to rush out. Um, But I mean, I was, I was a little bit mad that we didn't shut down stuff sooner. Um, I taught until, um, I think it was like March 13th. Let me look it up. Um, I taught until my last day in the classroom was March 13th. And I was at March 13th. I was like, Hey, when are we shutting this down? Cause this is not safe for me to, I have 150 kids in the first three periods. And so like kids are swapping in and out. We're really packed in. Um, I was a little bit angry that things had started to close down and they weren't closing schools and they weren't closing schools and they weren't closing schools. Um, so I'm, I'm on the end of, I'd rather be a little bit more cautious than try to rush back out. Um, Mm -hmm. I have a feeling that California is going to be a little reluctant to move, um, compared to some other States. 
Um, I think there's going to be some pressure, but I think um, it's going to be at least midsummer before we start talking about um, opening things up in a phase three less, um, maybe doing some restaurants that have outdoor seating or something like that. But it's going to be a minute, and I don't think California is going to improve like fans going to sporting events for quite some time, um, which is unfortunate. Yeah. But I think I saw somewhere it's like sports are a uh, sports are defined like a, a functioning society, not like. Uh, just an escapism but like we need to get through everything first before sports sports are going to be one of the last things i think we get to as far as opening it up um but we might see some games uh behind closed doors for a couple weeks maybe i don't know it's it's very up in the air um and newsome is very much let's listen to the science and it's um it's slow going here yeah, I'm. I do. I mean, I'm. I am a little bit. It's weird, not weird, but like I'm not discrediting how you feel. But I feel like California was quick to close things out. Oh, and maybe for sure. Yours, for your sure. situation or your work situation. But I mean, I looked at the cases yesterday for set. Like San Diego County is a little bit better. Uh, I, I wouldn't say better. Um, in a it looks like we have kind of tapered off, I guess. I don't know what the word is. Uh, flattened the curve because of the cases and the amount compared to like Los Angeles County. We're definitely, um, I mean, I, I, I see a lot of businesses that are taking that precaution and like the co-working space, like we used to work next to each other. We're no longer doing that. They're like mask available. They're, new air filters. So like, I think just a lot of businesses are doing that. And so I think that'll help with California. I think what I'm hearing, like businesses are actually putting all these protocols in place so that they won't have any guesses or they won't have any questions when they are ready to open up. You know, there are, there are still businesses functioning. We just don't know them because it's not what we were used to, right? Like that hair salons and nail salons and stuff like that. I know there's a lot still. Yeah, the I think uh, San Diego's unemployment rate was like at 21 or 27%. I don't remember. It's 20 and then one of the ones that look uppy and downy. Um, but even at 27%, that means that there's 73% of the population still working. So I know that's like mm -hmm. terrible, but like the fact that, you know, almost three quarters of the people are, are still working and still have jobs and they're still doing work um, is a positive sign. Uh, I know some of my favorite restaurants are starting to figure out how to function and moving to um, they close down and then they're kind of reopening and taking a look at what their business is going to look like. And I think restaurants are going to start doing that kind of stuff. Um, mm hmm. I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be a long way back, I think. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's it's our new normal now, right? So it is. It's not. It's not back to normal. It is. This is what it is, right? Like it's not gonna change. I don't believe. Uh, and I, I I'm hearing that a lot of businesses are exploring remote workers. Like, yeah. Even if your business, like my husband's. Uh, business you know like they or the company is like exploring potentially having him work like remotely three or four days mm -hmm, a week mm -hmm. you know so that is does that mean he works from home 
Is he working in a co-working space that has the protocols and, you know, the social distancing? And I, I kinda, don't know. I mean, we don't know. I kind of like that to begin with because we talk about, like, climate change and we talk about trying to get 10% of the workforce off of the roads. And if we can get 10% of the jobs to take away a commute because they can work from home three three days out of the week, two days out of the week, I mean, we're looking at some pretty significant changes in the environment um, just by, instead of trying to get people on a bus or mass transit, now we're getting people off the freeway because they're staying at home and working from home a couple times a week. I know my wife is talking about that, like, it might be three days a week after this, and when things get open back up, she'll go into work twice a week mm-hmm. and she'll work from home three days a week because you can like if you can why why not like yeah. there's no need to go to a place to work if you don't need to go to a place to work so it's, it's right. interesting because i work in higher education mm-hmm. so um i work with recruiters i'm i do career services so i work with recruiters i'm on these webinars about what the the hiring environment and the change and, and talking to them and you know there's this company with thirty thousand people where they're like why didn't we do this before we don't need to pay rent on mm-hmm. buildings. Say mm-hmm. money on like. Can you imagine just like the toilet paper expenses alone, um, or like the hand and this like all right. these additional little expenses? And so I think people are realizing like, hey, we don't need to have this lease, and we can save, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars by um, letting everyone. And the other advantage, too, is now you can truly get the best employees. So it's not just the best employees who want to move to San Antonio, Idaho. Um, (laughs) San Antonio has grown by a million people in 10 years. So everyone wants to move to San Antonio. Mm. Um, So, um, yeah, but moving to Boise, Idaho. Now, if we have, you know, an industry in Boise, Idaho, I can have the best country employees across the country, not just the best employees in Idaho. So um, there's so many advantages. And I'm like, I think everyone's catching up with me because I used to joke with people. I'm like, you don't pay your bills online. Like you still have checks. Mm -hmm. I've never written a check. Mm -hmm. I'm like, my bills online. I order all my clothes online, my books online. I love Amazon. And then um, I also have been doing curbside groceries for two years. I hate that everyone now in Texas is doing curbside groceries. I'm like, you're messing up my flow. You're messing up the <laughs> change. I'm going to need y'all to like do something else. But um, See, we, that's how I feel about people. That's oh, sorry. I didn't mean to cut yeah, you off. No, that's how I feel about everyone online on Zoom and all the live streaming. I'm like, oh, welcome to my world. Hello. I've been doing this for a long time. Yeah. And that doesn't. I, and that doesn't mean we have to just shop at Amazon. Like, I think small businesses are going to figure out that space. And those independent booksellers can still sell online. Those those mom-and-pop restaurants can still do, you know, orders and pickups. And okay. I, I don't think it necessarily means we get rid of those things as well. I think, you know, we've done Instacart stuff. We've done, you know, small business delivery and pickup. Um, so I, 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 don't, I think that you're right. Like, I think this is... Um, an exciting time to kind of relook at what we do everywhere and say, is this really worth it? Is this really what's best for people? And I don't think a lot of the things that we've been doing has has been the best thing for people physically, mentally. Like if, 
if I didn't teach, like if I didn't have an hour commute to Temecula, like that's a whole two hours of my life that I can do stuff like, like ride my exercise bike or spend some time with my puppies or whatever. Like there's some mental health that I can build in where I'm not working an eight hour day and then driving two more hours on top of that. That's a lot to ask somebody to do. Um, so yeah, well said. Um, so are we going to transition from one heavy subject to the next heavy subject? Let's do it. Yeah. Oh, so um, <laughs> the last thing I think we're going to talk about, the big heavy subject we're going to talk about is, and we've alluded this, uh, I think you guys talked about this when you were on last time, is um, the uh, fair pay, equal pay uh, lawsuit that the women's national team is doing. Uh, there was just a court ruling. Um, I know I have my take, and I don't know if everyone's going to agree with my take, so I'm going to wait and I'm going to let you two ladies go ahead and uh, take the take the torch and share your opinions on where the court case is and uh, your opinions about the court case. Yeah, so I'll admit I didn't read the judgment. Um, I was listening to some um, and, and I know I should like this is not an excuse. Um, I read some stuff. Um, you know, I'm, I understand the business side. I get why, you know, why maybe they want to do this and like why they feel, um, this is something that is necessary. Um, but one thing I heard today, which is interesting, I don't know if you guys heard this is, and I didn't know this, like the, the women they have, because there's not like a, they have a NWSL obviously is like the, pro, the professional league. Um, they don't have the infrastructure there to like pay 401k or benefits and stuff like that. So they were seeking, to my understanding, they were seeking that part of the pay structure from the, the U.S. Soccer Federation because, you know, to make it equal, equal pay, like they're making the same amount that the men are, but the men get that from their professional clubs. And I don't know if that's, like, I think that's what I heard on, like, um, I was watching Taylor Twelman today. He was talking to uh, a Meg Lenahan from The Athletic, and she was talking about that. And that was one of the main arguments against it or during these discussions because they were seeking – that was the most of the reason because they don't get those perks, those benefits of, um, you know, all the – the extra stuff besides your base pay from the U S soccer federation, because they just don't, they don't offer that. So I don't know if that has, that's the reason for the ruling. And I'm thinking it is, um, but I don't know, Danielle, you probably know a little bit more than me um, just because you're very knowledgeable and you probably would have talked more about it on if we were just having, but I want to get your take on it too, because I'm, you know, one, I need to learn the ins and outs of the judgment and really see why. And of course, I believe in that. I do want it to be equal, but legally, um, I just don't know the ins and outs. So, Danielle, why don't you take your position on that? So you may have to, like, rein me in. So feel free. Um, so it's hard. <laughs> You're comparing some apples and oranges in a couple of things. Like the women get a salary for playing in the NWSL 
which also means they're playing more games that are paid by the USSF. So the USSF is paying NWSL and the women, it feels like they have more friendlies um, and they do more things. So, but they also negotiated their own contract. Um, their contract includes things like benefits. It includes things like maternity leave. It includes longer salaries. The men don't have that. They're paid a higher rate on a per game basis. So you're sort of comparing some apples and oranges because the women wanted the salaries in the NWSL. They wanted some of these protections, which based on the way USSF is, I would have been in their same boat. But part of the problem is you have World Cup winners who are making slightly more than people who didn't even qualify for the World Cup. And that was the basis of the argument to the judge. And the judge was like, I don't want to compare hypotheticals. Right now, as I look at it, you paid out more to the women than you did to the men. And it was kind of a black and white. So it is, that's always been the crux. How do you compare these two? And then the question is, well, who gets more marketing? You know, they put millions and billions of dollars into some and the men's stuff. But then it seems like the women, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, by the way, hey, there's an Olympic qualifier going on tomorrow. Um, and that's literally what happened. So, you know, there's also all of these other factors. But if you factored it in, uh, are they putting the same money into marketing bullshit? So I understand what the judge is saying. And I think, okay, you, you can't have that because you're comparing, like, apples, oranges, bananas. Um, mm-hmm. But what they are going to argue and what is going to trial is the things that are pretty standard of what flights are you flying? You know, it, it's kind of been the, the common thing you've heard from women. They're flying like economy, they're flying standard coach, you know, classes where the men were flying charter planes or, you know, you'll see the European players fly on a charter plane from Europe back to the States for games and things like that. Um, you also have the per diem. So when they would travel, the amount of money that women and men were given for food was drastically different. Like the women on a per day basis were given like $30 less for food than men. So think about it. If you were in a regular business, if you worked for Apple and Apple said, Hey, the men who go on work trips, you're going to get a hundred dollars. Women who go on work trips, you're going to get $70. Like straight up, that's an equal. Um, We know um, the men have a lot of other different um, things in their contracts, different clauses. You know, they had a whole different crew that would go out to games, prep the fields, check the fields. Um, I know the women boycotted, I think, was it Hawaii for like a, a friendly where they're like, this field is, you know, completely inappropriate to play on because they didn't have the same team going to inspect the fields months in advance the way the men did. So they didn't have those same things. And even if you look at it today, um, you know, Margraf was hired much later than Ernie Stewart. What is, wasn't it like there a year between when Ernie Stewart was hired and then Kate Margraf. So even in terms of like the coaching structure and some of the admin structure, um, it's been different. So what they, what they're going to argue is, all of these administrative blanket fees, the blanket um, costs and expenditures um, and structure that should be, hey, everyone gets the same thing. It shouldn't matter 
what contract you negotiated, whether you were a man or woman, everyone should get the same per diem. Everyone should get the same, um, you know, pre pre game inspection, pre match, you know, months in advance, the same setup crew. So they're going to argue those things. And I think there's a clear, um, where it's like, it's black and white. Here's the facts. There, there are differences. They shouldn't have to negotiate these things. This is what your, your office, your HR says, here's what you get. The biggest thing that I think, um, and this is how I think it'll all be solved. This is a really easy solution. I think the men's national team and the women's national team need to join together and have one players association versus having a men's and a women's, because I think they would both benefit from mutual negotiation and have hey, this salary. Men get paternity leave. Yeah. I had a kid. I'm taking a month off to be with my kid. We should all get benefits. Right. Things like that. So right. that's how I think would what I think would solve all that, and it'd kind of be like a big <laughs> screw you to USSF if they both merge. Um, one other thing yeah. that everyone should be aware of is currently in the women's contract. They have an, no strike, no, um, none of that. So they cannot strike. So in their contract, even if they wanted to, they are not allowed to because they did that. Um, I think the 99ers, um, that group, I don't know if it was a 99, but they did that. And it was like the U23 team went to some tournament or some qualifier. So that is my wrap it up with a bow. Very good insight. Yeah, I think, um, you know, that's a really good idea in terms of um, combining together. And I think, you know, I don't know, I haven't seen any like crazy outspoken male players that have been like, yeah, we support what the women are doing. So I don't know if that's possible um, or if that's even something that they have thought about because, who knows? You know, maybe there's a lot of infighting. I don't know. We don't know about that dynamic. But Alan, yeah, we hear from you because I know you have a, I know you have a thought on it. So, <laughs> um, so it. my hot take won't be necessarily as hot as I thought it was going to be. Um, so there's like two arguments that are being made. There's like an emotional one. There's a legal one, and I think with the 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 facts around the pay itself in the CBA, um, you can make an emotional argument, but on paper, like the judge, like they got paid more, they got paid more per game that they played. And I, I do think you're right. Like it's like, there's a degree between world cup winners and they can't beat Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, but as far as the judge is concerned, they're looking at, <laughs> thanks for did, the reminder, right? Did they follow the CBA? And, <laughs> mm-hmm. When you come out with the actual pay, it's really hard for a judge to say legally this is discrimination. And I think that's the difference. It's like there's a lot of like my wife being an attorney, like I watch her look through law and I'm like, how is that right? And then she's like, well, it's not right. It's just this is the law and this is how the law is interpreted. And with that one key piece or the one piece, the one that's like the most outrageous is the pay itself. And people are like, well, how can you? They, they win. How can you? But it's like when you're making a legal argument, like emotion gets put to a side and you can't make those emotional arguments. Mm-hmm. It's just based on the paper. And mm-hmm. as a proud union member, like I agree, like if those two men and women came together, 
they'd have a much stronger voice, and they would probably get a much better CBA on both sides. Uh, when coming together and saying mm-hmm. we demand these things as women, World Cup, four-time World Cup women, uh, winning women, and men who are, um, I don't know, they don't even draw as well as women anymore. <laughs> but I, I think there's some mutual beneficial benefits that they can create with each other. But I do think that the, the mm-hmm. thing that we need to focus on is the things that Danielle pointed out is the hotel stay, the charter flights, how they actually treat the athletes themselves, both on and off the field. Like if we can change the argument away from just equal pay to equal treatment, I think that that's a very winning case. And it's one that I think people can yeah. really get behind and really understand because the, the actual dollars gets really confusing and you get into the weeds and you get into comparing things. But it's like, I, I think Danielle said it perfectly. Like, if I was in a company and I sent women on one type of trip and men on another type of trip, I would get in a lot of trouble. And uh, the judge was right. And the judge pushed those forward and said, yes. And summary judgment is one of those things that everyone files at the beginning. Like it happens every time they just say summary judgment. And the judge said that there is no facts to back up that women were paid less. So that part's thrown out. But all of these other things that I think are the big issues when you really dig into it, mm-hmm. um, because now if the women win that, now they have even more leverage going back into a contract negotiation. And if contracts break down, then you have the ability to strike. But if you're part of union law or union labor law is we agree not to strike in order for you to be able to negotiate. It's like one of those trade-offs. It's like a very basic trade-off. It's in my union contract language that if we have a contract that we're not allowed to strike, but if we get past that contract date, that contract still holds true. Like we follow that contract, but now we have the ability to go on strike. Um, And so that's pretty standard. Mm -hmm. Um, It's kind of one of those labor trade-offs. Hey, we promise we won't go on strike if you promise to negotiate with us in good faith. Um, And I think winning this case will give the women a lot of leverage going forward. Um, If they can convince the men to come along with them, then they have even more leverage and say, we as players want these things. And if you look at the different leagues, the, the ones that have stronger players associations, the players have more control over their, where they go, how much money they make, the contracts they can sign, and the ones with weaker player associations tend to get run over by the owners. Um, so I'm really still really hopeful. I know that news came out and people were really angry because on the face it was like, what do you mean they get paid more? Yeah. That's, that's ridiculous. But if you start looking into yeah. it or you think that women have a great argument against U.S. soccer – with the treatment outside mm-hmm. of the game and the pay itself. And then I think that mm-hmm. women, the women's sports group, uh, soccer also has a argument to take to FIFA. And I think if I, I saw an article today that if the women's teams go and try to take on FIFA, that will, because that's where the huge gap is between World Cups is if they can get women to be paid the same as men for World Cups, then some of these questions will be answered outside of U.S. soccer. Uh, But I'm still very hopeful that they can get a lot of those things, the trainers, the the charters, the hotels, a lot of the things to take care of them as athletes and then use that Mm -hmm. win in court 
to create the leverage that they need to cr- to negotiate a better CBA in the future. Can you imagine to yeah. the U.S. women win this or win a part of this? Can you imagine the reverberations around the world? It will set a new standard. And even if they've been going to court, it has brought up things mm-hmm. like Australia has set up equal pay for their men and their women. Now, granted, different different levels, but you know, it, it's setting that standard of, oh shoot, we need to do this. And can this be brought up in the international sports court? Of, well, look at here's already a judgment that that was in favor of this, or it's it's at least setting an example, setting a standard, and saying yes, this can be done. But I think the problem mm-hmm. is. Um, it's still so far behind in the world. Like people just in other countries, it's non-existent. Like the fact that like in some countries, women playing sports and it's like, Oh, that's a really nice thing. Isn't that cute? Um, they, they yeah. get it even in 2020. Um, I'm going to share a quick story, sort of same topic, sort of off topic, but just to put into perspective of even the minds of people and why this is even an issue. Um, Recently, within the past six months, I was at a networking event and I'm on a podcast, I referee, I'm, you know, a, a, a season ticket member, part of one of our um, supporters groups, um, you know, I, I'm embedded in the soccer culture. And one of the things I've been trying to do is get a, a women's event. Um, give me something with wine and cocktails. I'm not a beer girl. I want wine. I want cocktails. Um, you know, give, give me something like that and, and, or not in a kid's environment. I don't want, and I have money. I am single. I'm a career woman. I have money to burn. I want to go to a nice event where I'm not dealing with small children. Me personally, sorry. Not that I don't like kids. I just don't like them running everywhere. Um, and I was talking to a high level executive of a club and I was talking to him about having a women's event where hey, it's a women's only or whoever wants wine or cocktails, but we're missing out. Most clubs miss out on targeting 50% of your audience. And he goes, oh, something where we can see through the rules. And and I did everything that I could to keep my mouth shut and not be a smart aleck. But the fact that in this country... <laughs> Someone is telling me that, oh, you want a women's event so that we can teach you the rules versus a women's event to solidify people who have a large disposable income because they don't have children um, and want to spend it. Let me give you something to spend your money on. Um, But the fact that this was a representative of a very large club that in, in this day and age, this shouldn't have even been an issue or a conversation. Um, but now if we put that perspective into other countries around the world, we are so far behind, but these are also people who are making mm-hmm. decisions in sports and this is their perspective and this is their, their mentality. And so this is what, this is right. why this is important. And if people don't think that, oh, this happened, women are still, they're making, they're making strides. There are still people who think women don't even know the rules of sports. Yeah, let me give yeah. you a let me give you a pink jersey and teach you the rules, and yes. you'll be happy. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So I I have okay. I I totally identify with that because you know I've been a sports fan for a while, and you know 
they, they're going to quiz me like, Oh, what do you know? And, you know, I admit when I don't know something, but like, there are people, there are women that are just like us that want to learn. And, you know, if it's sports or whatever, how do they learn if they're constantly, I mean, I was talking about this with one of my, one of my uh, friends who, who runs a podcast for football and we were going to do like uh, teaching Tuesdays or something like that, you know, where we were teaching just the basics of football to an audience that could be potentially mostly women because of her friends. And a lot of people don't know that, or, you know, whether it was football or soccer or whatever, like how do you integrate the women into this game and also make them feel comfortable without being like, well, you only want to learn this because you're going to, you're going to, you know, you're just, you just want to look at, at the players or whatever. Like, how do you, how can you integrate in them? And I think this goes back to like, Two weeks ago when the episode with Carrie, you know, you just kind of like invite them or you just you don't talk about it. Well, we are women who are watching sports or we are women who are working in this industry, whatever. We are just here. Right. And you have to just keep continuing to change the narrative instead of just saying trying to keep marginal marginalizing us into groups. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. if, If Danielle and I walked into a soccer bar. And started talking about the game. No one would ever question yeah. my knowledge of the game. Like, no one would ever be like, that guy doesn't know what he's talking no. about. But if she was like, well, I don't think yeah. that was offside. And they're like, oh, you don't know. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, but she knows way more than yeah. I do. But I never, I've never had to, like, yeah. prove my knowledge in sports. And if I don't know something, it's just like, I don't yeah. really know. And no one cares. But it's like, wow, name the top five. Yeah. If you're a fan of Arsenal, name the top five goal scorers of all time. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Don't know. Right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I only know. Prove yourself. Right. And I, I would, I yeah. never, I've never, I, I've never had to. Like, I didn't know how mm-hmm. to write about soccer and I was paid to write recaps. Like, that would have not happened if I was not male. Like, if I was a woman that walked into that press box, I was like, right. I'm going to write a recap. They're like, well, show us your recap. Show us what you've done. How do you know this? How do you? It's like, they just let me do it. Um, so that's a real story that actually happens to me. I was given the, the third degree about what my background wow. is in terms of who I've interviewed. And I'm like, well, I've interviewed USL coaches. I've interviewed youth national team players. I've interviewed international players. Um, but I still have to, mm-hmm. well, uh, we, you know, I, that just doesn't count. Um, and so, yeah, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's absolutely true. Um, the funny thing is, is I was born and raised in Buffalo and Rochester, New York. I can talk, I can talk football. I can talk soccer. I can talk hockey. Don't really care for basketball. I'm living in the wrong city for that. But as a woman, you have to <laughs> know more and you have have to prove mm-hmm. it. And I think the starting thing are simple things like having Marissa and I on podcasts, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. USL. Do you have women on your podcast? USL. I think San Diego is setting a tone. Do you have women in the locker room? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Women on the bench? Do you have women in your front office? Mm-hmm. Um, because it's true. I mean, I look around a stadium and I'll, I'll do this drill with a friend of mine who's like, well, women don't really come to games. And he is like a full supporter of women's soccer, loves it. And we kind of do this well. And I'm like, really? Look around the stadium. Who's in the sta- who's in your stadium? 
And I would love for like right. USL, like a team to actually run some stats on who's buying tickets and who's showing up for games. Mm-hmm. Um, right. It's literally 50, 50 women. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's even more. Mm-hmm. There was one game I was like, mm-hmm. it is like 60, 40, 70, 30. There's more women here at this SAFC game than there are men. Mm-hmm. And, but yet I can't find yeah. a shirt to wear. <laughs> like I don't have anything that's marketed to me. I have to wear men's sizes. And uh-huh. just... So welcome to the world of <laughs> I can't find clothes that fit me because things are marketed to men. Um, so I think simple things like starting having women on podcasts where mm-hmm. women can go, oh, it, it, this is a safe spot. Women right. can air their opinions and, oh, like let me let me know that um and stuff like that so um i think that's an awesome step and i think what san diego is doing will set shockwave that um that actually is a good good point because um i don't know danielle if you've heard of the espnw summit yeah signed up thank you carrie you signed (laughs) up yeah 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 thank you so the espnw ESPNW Summit is put on by ESPNW, but um, it's on May 28th, which is my birthday this year. So it's virtual. Normally it's in person. But, um, you know, just speaking, like going to that event um, last year in October is like it was it was really cool to be there. But it was also kind of sad because I didn't hear about it like mainstream, right? Like not a lot of people that I knew in my circle knew mm-hmm, about it. Mm-hmm. And like the topics uh, I'm going to run is like women at the helm. So they're going to talk about chief marketing officer for NBA, which is a woman and the co-head of basketball marketing and servicing for the um, agency CAA. Right. And those are two women. And then the keynotes from Hannah Storm, who's like freaking amazing. Right. And then um, they're going to have Liz, some, Women talking about uh, tools for managing stress and getting unstuck. So this is like what women like, but it's also like very relatable to women in sports and just kind of like really bringing everyone together to see that we're on the same playing field. But we don't hear about this summit. Like, why? Why is this not such like a huge thing? And I think you know, you're to your point, Danielle. Like having more women on podcasts, inviting them. I mean, I think local radio even could have women, you know, and I personally would love to have a job on the radio. That would be fun. I think it'd be so much fun. I love listening to radio. I love chatting, you know, doing podcasts, stuff like that, talking about uh, like hot topics and stuff like that. But there's this thing where if you haven't done it before, you'll never even be considered, Right. Yeah. And if you've never been on radio, so why would you be offered that job? But what? Who's to say you can't do it? Right. I, I think. Just, I think the thing that upsets. Oh, it's a heavy topic. The thing that upsets Alan. me the most. No, the thing that upsets topic. me the most is you listen to some of these like sports talk radio, and they have some like some random dude on who like gives their like hot takes, and it's like, why does this guy get a chance, but not like a knowledgeable female who can come in and and I think some of it is like people guys are reluctant to like get schooled by women because it's like you got beat up by a girl like it goes back to like this like weird thing that like men are supposed to be like sports knowledgeable and um and it, it, it i think that 
if you go into tokenism, that's when you run into problems. But if you just mm-hmm. seek out really knowledgeable people and put them in the room, people will realize, like, this is legit and right. it's not weird. It's not abnormal. It's not uncomfortable to mm-hmm. have a woman being very knowledgeable about the sport that you love. It's mm-hmm. like we're just talking like I would talk to anybody. And mm-hmm. and I think just getting that a little bit more comfortable with what that reality is. And if that means we need to, you know, kick down some doors at Ben and Woods or, you know, whatever. <laughs> so, like, f- instead of Friar Phil, like, Friar, Friar Pam. Like, what's the difference? Like, Friar Phil's terrible. But somehow he gets a spot on <laughs> oh. Ben and Woods. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and I get that there's, like, this, like, element of, like, poking fun and whatever. But, like, yeah. I think most sports programs, like, the woman in it is either we need to have someone attractive or we need to have a woman in there just to have a woman in there. It's not thinking about creating quality content. And just it just mm-hmm. happens to be a female. Danielle. Yeah. I have another funny story. Welcome to my life. Right. Um, <laughs> so I was at the SAFC launch. I had just come from work. Like I said, I work with employers, recruiters. Sometimes I, you know, and I love a good pair of heels. Um, and so I'm in heels, I'm yes, in a girl. <laughs> and I've got like a, a, um, a pea coat on come from work. Cause I want to see our launch with our new coach. Um, I'm in line to like talk to them. And then I was asking questions. They're like, Oh, what questions do you have? And I'm like, Oh, are we also recruiting from the MLS combine that's, that's recently happened. And like, I'm asking intelligent, thoughtful questions to the brand new coach who probably hasn't even been here for like more than a few days. So I'm in line waiting to meet the coach. And this guy turns to me, he goes, are you a reporter? You were asking really good questions. And I'm like, so I have to be a reporter in order to know any information about soccer. And I was like, no, (laughs) like, no, I just know soccer. Um, So it's kind of sad when, you know, it's a compliment, but can't Mm -hmm. women just know soccer and professional why do I have to come to a meeting in like sweats, like quarantine wear, right. <laughs> like what I wear quarantine every day now. So, um, yeah, it happens. You know, pe- people think that you can't be intelligent and talk about soccer or any sport. Um, I, yeah, and guys don't want to correct them either. No. And I, I think some of it's just that guys get a little uncomfortable. And I think instead of embracing and leading into that, like, like, uncomfortableness it's like they'd rather just not um and Afmir in our comments is talking about some other types of privilege and i think that's very similar it's like the people who are in a place of comfort don't want to reach out past that point of comfort because it might scare them a little bit but once they get past that little a little bit of uncomfortableness like their world opens up and now it's much more beautiful it's much more involved it's much more welcoming it's it's now I don't have to prove my, myself as a man. I don't like, I'm a man. I know sports because it's not about that anymore. And it's taken a while to get to that place. And, but I think in soccer, I think we have the ability to do that a little bit better than some of the other sports. Cause I think it is a little bit more welcoming to begin with. Uh, but I do think there's a lot of like these little individual things that we need to kind of work through. Um, and we need to have those uncomfortable conversations and make a little bit of people feel a little bit uncomfortable in order to get past that. And then once they get past that, they realize that like, I'm, 
I'm not the most knowledgeable person in the room, and the most per- knowledgeable person in the room when it comes to soccer happens like just just happens to be a female, and that doesn't matter. Like it shouldn't, and I think Carrie spoke to that last week, like or two weeks ago. It shouldn't matter. It does right now, and we have to realize that and put ourselves in the positions, um, the people who have that power or that control to put themselves into positions to make themselves uncomfortable and then be able to take a step back and be a listener instead of a talker. Um, and that's what this podcast is allowed me to do is to have people come in and share their experiences that I don't get to experience and talk about soccer in a way that I will never experience. And now I just get to sit back and enjoy listening to really intelligent people talk about their perspectives. And that's what I absolutely love about it. And that's what I absolutely love about like the USL community. Cause I think that there's some podcasts out there who do it the right way. And it's really exciting because now it's not just about me speaking. It's about me listening and being able to be exposed to a lot of these different perspectives. And I think as a community, we're better for it. Well, well said, Alan. <laughs> that was awesome. No, I'm like, I, I'm so happy that one, we are able to do this and we are trying to, you know, bring in as many people as we can to get their perspective and, you know, really listen to what others have to say about the tough subjects, you know, because I don't think you learn or grow if you're not opening yourself up to different people's opinions, not like the norm, right? And I think that is one good with podcasts. I mean, everyone has a podcast, right? But everyone also now has a voice too. Right, Danielle? Absolutely. Yeah. Embracing diversity, diversity of thought, diversity just in general, um, diversity of opinion, and all that just makes us better. The more we embrace other people's differences, no matter what it is, um, Mm -hmm. it makes us as humans better. Um, But it also gives us some unique perspectives on different things like, oh, I didn't think about that. Or, oh, I can market this better. Or, oh, this is how I can raise, um, you know, more ticket sales and and more of those, more of those different things. So um, I just think it's, um, it's, it's there, it's happening. I just wish it was faster. Yes, definitely. Don't we all? Um, Danielle, where can we find you on the uh, interwebs? Go ahead. So the um, interweb, my uh, taglines are toeswiggle, T-O-E-S-W-I-G-G-L-E, at gmail.com. And I am on Instagram and Twitter with that. I've kind of moved away from Facebook. Um, (laughs) So I only use Messenger. So, yeah, so you can Twitter me, you can uh, follow me. I don't know. What are all those things? <laughs> Look you up, yeah. <laughs> and please do. Please do. Marissa, what about you? Yes, you can find me anywhere online at hashtag Marissa. Nice. And there's other ones, too, but if you go there, you'll find find me. Just follow the path. Right. What about you, Alan? You can find me at A Underwood Forty Eight on the Twitter machines. Um, please uh, follow Fair Pod on Twitter if you don't already. Like, subscribe, all of those shenanigans. Uh, those of you who are commenting in the live comments, uh, thank you so much uh, for stopping by tonight and uh, offering your opinions and thoughts. Uh, it's much appreciated. 
Um, and if you're listening down the podcast, thank you for subscribing. Uh, this has been an absolute pleasure uh, tonight. Um, until next week, um, we will see you guys uh, later. Have a good night. This and every episode is brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. You can find other podcasts on bgn.fm. The Fairweather Podcast is also sponsored by Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult, or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com.